Hello you awesome beings, welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known. This podcast is a love letter to my younger self of all the things I wish I'd known before I had deep issues with my mental health and my spiritual awakening. I hope you enjoy listening. Why not head to my website and purchase the new Live From Lockdown, seven guided meditations and gong meditations for your listening pleasure. Use the code TIWIK15, T-I-W-I-K-15 to get 15% off now. Hello and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host Rachel, the founder of Wellford Wellbeing. Today I am really excited and proud to be here with Brad Yates. Brad is literally the reason that I trained in EFT and he is one of the people who was integral in my own healing journey and so to be able to sit here with him today and share his wisdom and his knowledge with you guys that are listening is just a real pleasure for me. If you haven't heard of Brad Yates before, he's internationally known across the whole of the world for really pioneering EFT as a healing technique. He's written books, he's a co-author of best-selling book Freedom at Your Fingertips and he's also done amazing work with people like Jack Cranfield and all the guys that worked on the internationally famous Secret. So I'll let Brad introduce himself as well. He's also got some secrets in the closet, if you like, which I'm going to bring out, which I never knew. And it's quite interesting. So I'm quite, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of uh, fun, I think, in this episode. So Brad, thank you so much for coming and joining me today. Oh, my pleasure, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we've already had quite a lot of laughs off, <laughs> off recording, haven't we? So I'm quite excited about, about I don't know. When you mention secret, it's like, wait a minute, is that something that we didn't talk about before? <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'm laughing anymore. Tap, tap, tap. Okay, yeah, you can tap on that. I'm just going to release all your dark secrets. <laughs> Uh-oh. What, what's that bringing up for you? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I'm fine. There's nothing to hide. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, why don't we start with at the beginning? I mean, how did you get into EFT? What was the reason that you decided to try this weird and wonderful technique? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Known as uh, how does a grown man find himself tapping on his face for a living? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I actually started out as an actor. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, I had actually studied in London for a while. And then I was touring doing children's theater around the world. And then I decided, you know, it's time for me to go to Hollywood and be a movie star. Yep. And while I was in Los Angeles, I met a woman, fell in love, got married. And when our first child was on the way, I thought, I should probably have a backup career. (laughs) So, So instead of getting a traditional nine to five job with a steady paycheck, I trained to become a hypnotherapist because I'd always been fascinated in the power of the mind and wanting to help people in that way. So I started doing that and my actor training was really good for that. And I had this trained, soothing voice. And so when my audience fell asleep, it was a good thing. Yeah. And unlike in the theater. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey, this works this way. (laughs) That is successful. (laughs) So I was doing that for a few years until our second child came. And that's when I realized as much as I loved acting that doing this personal development work was really my calling. This is really what felt right for me. And so we left Los Angeles and moved to Northern California. And up there through some other hypnotherapists, I heard about energy psychology and tapping. And I went and took a training with Gary Craig, the founder of Emotional Freedom Techniques. Yeah, incredible man. 
Yeah. And I, and I fell in love with this, particularly when he, one of the things that really sold me on it was he gave everybody Hershey's kisses and said, on a scale of zero to 10, how much do you want that chocolate? And I'm like, I was a bit of chocoholic at the time. I'm like, oh, eight or nine. <laughs> 25. Uh, can, can I eat it right now? Yeah. <laughs> can I have another one? I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and just after a few moments of tapping, I couldn't eat it. I had as much interest in the chocolate as I did the foil wrapper. Wow. I didn't eat chocolate for two years after that. Now, I, wow. I recovered. But uh, <laughs> you're like, don't worry, I'm back on it. Hershey's didn't go bust. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I can still, like right now, I've been on a sugar fast for a while and I can have chocolate and cookies sitting around and it's not willpower. I just simply, it's just of no interest to me. So in that moment when, you know, just tapping on my face for a few moments and I couldn't eat this piece of chocolate and I thought, wow, there's really something to this. Yeah. And then this, this the whole weekend that this energy psychology conference did spoon bending, which I'd always been fascinated by and actually did it. Well, I uh, always thought that was a bit of a trick because is it oh i'm trying to remember his name now there was a guy i watched a documentary about a guy is it randy someone who's a magician and he was basically out to debunk all psychics and he was saying about yuri geller who's obviously yuri geller i used to have when i was a teenager i had a picture of yuri geller on my wall it's like oh that's so cool he was like the coolest guy though right He's like a sort of so, celebrity spoon bender, and that's his right, job. It was right. Like, ah! <laughs> right. Who has had some embarrassing fails, like on Johnny well, Carson. Yeah. But I still thought that it was, it was fascinating. So when I went to this conference, and so this is the day after I learned EFT, I think. Mm. That was the first day of the conference. And earlier that day, I had met Carol Look, who you may know is yeah. first EFT master, one of the, yeah. one of the top Incredible. tappers. Yeah. yeah. So I met her that day. You know, I had no idea who she was. I was totally new to this. We became fast friends. Yeah. So we went to the spoon bedding workshop together and I, I had no expectation that I could do it, but I thought it would be really cool if I saw someone doing it. Yeah. So we go and the woman who is leading the workshop, Marla Brucker, who later became a friend of mine, she, you know, gave each person a little stash of, of silverware yeah. and then took us through some exercises and said, okay, now pick up a thing bend, bend, bend. And I had picked up this kind of thick fork and I'm working, it's like, <laughs> ah, nothing. Oh, well, you know, and I didn't really expect it, but it was kind of cool. And then we did some other exercises and then she said, now let's try something else. So this time I picked up a thinner spoon. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, I could probably the, bend this. <laughs> what's the thinnest one you've got? <laughs> so we start, go through the exercise again. She goes, bend, bend, bend. And I start pushing on it and it just melts in my hand. This is not me muscling it. This is like, okay, I can feel energy flowing through my hand, and, and this thing is, and I'm just curling it. Wow. I don't have headphones, I, I grab, I have, I still have my stash of all my silverware over there. Oh, we're gonna love so, so I'm just like twirling it around, not, not the way you would if you yeah. were just muscling it. And I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> so yeah. I grabbed the thick fork that I had picked up before and couldn't move, and I'm just twirling the tines around and flipping around. I went through all my silverware. I started grabbing Carol's silverware. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, get off a- my keys. What are yeah. you doing my house keys? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was wild. It was like, you know, a phenomenal experience of, of really experiencing the energetic world that is so often a mystery. It's like, yeah, it would be nice, but so that was probably a huge thing for me in my first introduction to energy therapy was 
having that experience of, you know, moving the energy through a solid object. Yeah. Yeah. So for Randy and whatever the thing is, yes, there, I'm sure there are a lot of people who stage things and, you know, yeah. are charlatans, but it does actually happen. <laughs> it was, it was profound. I mean, I, with the silverware that I have, it's like, this was not a matter of just, okay, I'm going to push this through with my own physical strength. Yeah. I think it's interesting actually just on that point of kind of charlatans and, and setups and all that kind of thing. I don't know about you, but I find like there definitely are people like that because I work also with Reiki and, and sound therapy and things. So basically my, I guess, work is really with the unseen. That's what I love, that world yes. where, yeah. you know, we don't really know what it is. And even if you look at science, you know, 95% of matter is dark energy or dark matter we don't really know what it is and so we're only right. really basing scientific knowledge on five percent of data which if you know most scientists would say wouldn't be enough data to really use in a normal experiment if if that but because that's all we work with so do you think it makes it more difficult that there are people out there that are kind of you know maybe not as honest as bending the rules yeah bending <laughs> and, the rules and it's because that. it's you know, and I've seen this, I've seen this with people doing muscle testing where it's like, they're doing this. It's like you apply different pressure. pressure. When you, <laughs> yeah. And there are times when you're in front of a, an audience where it's like, well, I would kind of like to move the odds in my favor. And I get that, you know, and so it does make it difficult. So like this guy, Randy going out there and saying all spoon bending is, is a trick. Yeah. Because there are some people doing it, it's it's unfortunate that a lot of people will hear that and go, "Oh, he's right." Mm. It's like, no, he was right about. He might have been right about he that person. Right about that guy, yeah, exactly, <laughs> or, or woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it is, and it is difficult when we're, especially with with tapping, where we are working with unseen things, and so it makes it easier for for folks to dismiss. Mm. And I find the people who want to dismiss it the most vehemently are the ones who are most afraid that it's going to work. Yeah, it's like I don't want it. This this is too simple, and it's going to move me out of my comfort zone if I have this change. Mm. So I need to ridicule it, and the fact that it looks a little strange makes it yeah. easier to, to ridicule. I think as well for a lot of people, you know, and you must have come up against this a lot in your work as well. I know that I definitely have it with my clients. Is that resistance to healing in terms of, you know, sometimes we've these stories that we've told ourselves are so embedded into who we believe we are and what our standing in the world is, that actually when you remove that belief, it can feel very unsafe. It can feel quite oh, yeah. scary. You know, if you've always believed that, you know, you're like one of my ones as a, a personal share, you know, I used to think that I was really fat and I used to think I was really unattractive. And so when I started removing that story that I was kind of like the fat, funny one, because, you know, that's what I'd always sort of been was like, oh, it's about my personality. It's not about my looks. And, you know, realized that actually I can think that I'm attractive and it's not cocky or whatever. It's just nice to feel nice about yourself and not beat, you beat yourself up in your head. Right. But it took me ages to really let go of that story because that's what I'd always told myself. And that's what I thought I fitted in. And I think sometimes, especially with illnesses and things as well, people get secondary benefits or things that, you know, Absolutely. subconsciously they're not aware of that maybe they like having people around that look after them when they're unwell or, they're yeah. not so lonely because their family and friends call them to check in because they're not so well. You know, all these kind of things that can be, can limit your ability to get past towards Absolutely. your own healing. Absolutely. All that programming that I only get attention when I'm sick. 
or whatever it is. And it's not, it's not that people are bad or stupid. It's just that all that programming tells us. And it's like, after a while, you may feel like, I don't remember what it feels like to be well, mm. but I do remember what it's like to not get attention. So yeah. losing this amorphous wellness thing that people talk about is not yeah. a big deal because I don't know it. But losing the attention that I get from my illness, that was something that I would really feel. Mm. And absolutely the identity thing. I use an analogy sometimes in, in workshops where you know, we're afraid of if I make these changes, I'm going to get up in the morning, look in the bathroom mirror and call 911 and say, there's a stranger in my house. (laughs) I want to know that the person in the bathroom mirror is the person that I saw yesterday. Yeah. And even if that person's... Issues. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Even if that person's hurting or that person's unhappy or that person's... I know that person, so that's safer. And so do the other people. Yeah. You know, if people start going... Who are you and what have you done with... <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Don't even get yeah. me started on that. It was a chronic people pleaser. I remember quite clearly when I started learning of what boundaries were and saying no to people and just how... You know what I mean? They that didn't all not, say, that's, hey, that's awesome. No, they just, you know, <laughs> and not because they're horrible people. No, they're like, doing the best they can too. We teach people how to treat us. Yes, completely. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're the person that someone goes to because you always say yes to them and suddenly you start saying no, then yeah, that's going to be upsetting and annoying for them for a a while, you know? They're not going to be like, hey, that is so great that you're more empowered. I got to go find another doorstep. (laughs) 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 It's like, man, (laughs) you're really complicating. Your evolution is really complicating things for me. (laughs) Right. And sometimes I think as well, because as you evolve and you begin to heal and you begin to grow into your own power, it actually also calls out unconsciously other people because then suddenly yeah. they're like oh wait hang on what <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe i need to look at that too or maybe i need to do something don't make else. me look at my crap yeah <laughs> <laughs> how dare you yeah it is so that way. yeah so anyhow so got way off on a tangent as i love to do yeah. so anyhow that was a very powerful weekend when i learned that so i came came back home and in my next hypnotherapy session at the very end in the last five minutes i said so we got five more minutes. I want to do this little technique that I learned. Just tap with me. <laughs> and little by little, I started doing more tapping until they became tapping sessions. And I, I still tend to do a little bit of hypnosis at the end. Yeah. So tapping became my, my main thing. I started doing some audios online. And I, I didn't know of anyone else who had, was doing that online. And then YouTube came around. Mm. And I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there's a tapping video that people could start their day with? Yeah. And I'll call it tap of the morning. Yeah. And that was all I intended to do. It was like, I had no idea of creating what I've created. It was just like, I'll just make with this one video. It's kind of a little bit of humor in it. And so I did that about, it was like six months later that I thought, you know, I should have a tap of the evening, something that people could end their day with. Mm. And then a few months later, had another idea and another, and now there's over 900 videos. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane. I constantly recommend your your channel to people, you know, because... Well, it's just because if I've got clients that are struggling with something or people that I know that are close to me, you know, and you, you're not going to work with everybody. Like sometimes it might, I'd happily work with whoever, but it might be awkward, you know, if they're your friend or whatever. Some people, it's a bit too close to home, right? Right, and right. You, and, 
as we know, tapping, you never know where it's going to go. And sometimes it can bring things up that are really unexpected. So you want that to be done in an environment where the person that's having the healing feels feels safe. Exactly. So it's a really good way, I think, to be able to say to somebody, oh, look, okay, if you're dealing pretty much whatever you're dealing with, if you go to Brad Yates, YouTube. There's a tap for that. There'll be a tap for that, you know? (laughs) And if you're not sure if you want a tap or you don't know how it's going to be or whatever, go check out the videos and, and see. And if you've got questions or whatever, you know, come back kind of thing, because there's just so many now. It's insane. Yeah. So how many years have you been doing? Uh, it's just over 10 years now that I've been making videos, 20 years now that I've been doing EFT. It's inc- incredible. Yeah. So, even yeah, was, when you think about it, that's pretty much from, because even Gary, you know, it was in 1990, well, testing my knowledge now, but it only was, you know, Gary Craig only really, changed it from TFT to EFT in the 90s, didn't he? So Early 90s, yeah. So you must have been like right on that. So yeah, I think Roger Callahan first developed TFT around 1980. Yeah. And yeah, it was several years later that the Gary started training with him and then early, early 90s started teaching I'm emotional I'm forever food grateful thing. for Gary Craig as well because TFT is way more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm dyslexic and like ADHD and you know when you just think oh my god you'd be like trying to remember <laughs> all the different things for all the different stuff and it's like yeah. you can be a lot more intuitive with I feel like you can be a lot more intuitive keep it, keep it simple and yeah, yeah and just work with the person yeah. so, no I take it as a great it's it's always a great compliment to me when I hear therapists not just other EFT practitioners but psychotherapists who mm. will say I give your videos to clients as Yeah. But I think that is the thing though, right? It's generally why people like us do what we do is because we're really passionate about just sharing the teachings and sharing and saying like, you know, I know that's definitely how I got on this path was once I'd got myself out of bed and was starting to feel a bit better and I kind of got back to work, I started just, I couldn't stop telling people, you know, like, oh my God, EFT, EMDR. And people like, why are you just saying letters at me? (laughs) I don't know what this means. <laughs> they're like okay abc what and you're like no you know you've got to try this stuff it's like so powerful and it reprograms your mind and reprograms your emotions and helps you see the world differently and meditation and you know it's just opened my world to all these incredible things and then you know you just want to share that so yeah that's good I wanted to just ask briefly, like, what do you think are the main differences between, say, hypnotherapy and EFT? Because I, I imagine there's quite a lot of crossover in terms of, you know, you're kind of working within the theta brainwave state and, you know, you're working with, I guess, reprogramming in different states. But right. it'd be interesting to see your, your take on Yeah, that. both of them, are, it's similar in that we are relaxing the sort of guardian part of it. to allow ourselves to see things in a different way and to reprogram our mind. You know, what I love about EFT is that you can do it pretty much anywhere. It's simple. You know, if you're in a moment of stress, there are a lot of great techniques, a lot of things that you can do to lower your stress levels. Eating a healthier diet, going for long walks, getting a good night's sleep, meditating. In the moment that your boss drops a stack of papers on your desk and says, I need this in an hour and you're feeling stress, you can't go and meditate and take a long walk and get a good night's sleep the night before, but you can duck into the bathroom and tap real quick. That's exactly what I say to people as well. And all the tools and techniques that I love to teach are all things where it's like, you can just do it 
pretty much anywhere at any time. You know, and I used to use tapping. I used to have pretty severe panic attacks, especially on public transport. Obviously, I live in mm. London and, you know, when I started to feel anxious and it was getting out of hand, if I was in kind of situations, rush hour on the tube or whatever, you, you know, it would come on quite quickly. Mm. And you can just simply do the hand points, you know, and no one can really, I mean, not to be honest, in London, you could probably literally die and no one would notice on the side of the road. I mean, I love this city, but probably like most major cities in the world, you know, people right. are really into their own thing and they're busy and whatever, they're not paying attention. But when you feel anxious, you feel like everyone's looking at you. So to have something that you can just do quietly in the corner where no one's going to really notice and it calms you down, it's really powerful. I did that with someone on the London Eye. We were on there and somebody, someone was not happy being there. And I oh, just bless. took her and I was just tapping her on the back of the hand on the gamut point. Oh, yeah. And the fan and the side of the hand and just it's, helping her, helping her get through it. <laughs> it's just, well, and it's so quick, isn't it? That's what's so great about it. So I wanted to ask you as well about, obviously, you know, there's a lot of links between our thoughts, our emotions, and then what happens in our body physiologically in terms of whether we're in health or whether we, you know, are experiencing dis-ease of, of some description. Yeah. And what I've started to notice in my own work, and I imagine there's parallels for you as well, is that actually when people start to talk about certain things, and for anyone that's not done EFT, some of the questions that you might use might seem a bit bizarre. So you might ask somebody, what color is your anxiety? Or... <laughs> What texture is that, right? And, right, right. <laughs> and what I found is a lot of people often, you know, anxiety tends to be in the chest or it tends to be in the stomach and it tends to be the texture of something that's scratchy in my experience of, you know, Velcro or grit or whatever. And I'm just wondering if you've seen similar parallels between, you know, what people are experiencing in terms of their emotional state and, and what's happening in the body and what you think the links are, I guess, between how we think, what we feel, and how that presents within our health. Oh, yeah, there are huge links. And you had mentioned earlier before we started here about Louise Hay, who yeah. has you know, made a whole list of this physical yeah. issue has to do with this emotional issue. Yeah. And even with the tapping, the points that we're tapping are each of the meridian points are associated with it with a different meridian, which is associated with a different organ, organ of the body, which tends to be associated with a different emotion. Mm. You know, under the eyes for the stomach, which is associated with fear. Mm. So very often we find that. Now, what I love about EFT is as opposed to TFT, where you're focusing on a couple of meridian points, is because we can sit there and say, oh, well, I think I'm feeling fear. And so it's probably the stomach. And so I should only tap under the eye. And mm. I've found there are times like, no, it's counterintuitive because everybody's different. And so things, but there are definitely patterns where we see most often it's like this, you know, if, if someone is feeling unsupported in their life, they often feel it in their lower back. Yeah. <laughs> so we definitely see a lot of correlation between what's going on emotionally and what's going on physically. And the great thing is that as we doing the tapping allows the body to clear out the stress and the stress hormones that are very good for when we are in an emergency situation. Mm. <laughs> you know, if there is a saber-toothed tiger chasing me, I want to have all of my energy go to my legs to, yes. <laughs> to run fast. But since our brain still responds in the same way, if I think that someone looked cross-eyed at me, yeah. <laughs> 
And now my body is pumping these hormones that are great for short-term emergencies, but in the long term are very damaging to the body. Mm. And so, yeah, as we, as we calm that down, just allowing our body, our body knows what to do. Our body knows how to heal. And you were saying something earlier about resisting healing. We do resist. In fact, most of the time when we're experiencing some kind of dis-ease, whether it's emotional or physical, mm. it's because we're resisting a state of health because there's something that feels dangerous about that. Yeah. Just like the thing about, you know, well, if I'm, if I'm healthy, people won't come around and talk to me. I won't get the attention I need. So I like to say that self-sabotage is simply misguided self-love. Mm. So even if we're sabotaging ourselves physically, it's because, yes, but it's going to get me something that I need, the, the secondary gain you mentioned. Yeah. So we're, we're always trying to take care of ourselves. We just, because of our programming, we have some kind of wacky ideas about how to do that. Right. And I think, you know, I always mention to my clients as well, a majority of your programming is kind of hardwired by the time you're seven. Oh, yeah. And the things that are scary when you're, you know, naught to seven might not be scary when you're an adult anymore. But it's like if, you know, mummy or daddy or your primary caregiver is angry with you or upset with you because, I don't know, maybe you ran in the road. <laughs> they thought you were going to get run over. And, yeah. you know, so they're like shouting at you or whatever. What did you do? You know, and you're terrified because you think, well, they might not, they might leave me or they might not feed me anymore, or they might not clothe me anymore, and I might die. But as an adult, you realize that, no, I ran in the road, and they love me, and they didn't want me to get hit by a car. Yeah. You know, and so there's this kind of like, mis sometimes miscommunication between, you know, the actual situation of what happened and the story that we tell ourselves about that situation. Right. And I think there's a really, I remember, I have to remember where I am, I'm on a podcast. I won't mention any names, but I've got a very, I've got dear friend of mine and she just has started doing this beautiful practice with her partner where they'll if they aren't seeing eye to eye on something they'll say okay what's your story right <laughs> and then the person will say well the story that I'm telling myself about this and about you is this and then the other person will say well the story that I'm telling myself about this and you is this and then they can quite clearly see the crossover between you yeah. know, what actually happened and the way they both perceived it and what that meant for them and what that was bringing up from their past or other stories that everyone, you know, and that then made me feel like you were rejecting me or whatever, you know, yeah. I don't know, whatever it might be. And then it quite clearly enables them to then have that conversation of, I understand your story, but what I was trying to do was this and, and yeah. it wasn't coming from a place of, you know, cruelty or whatever. It was coming from a place of... I care about you or whatever and and that allows them and I was like that's a really beautiful practice and I think if we can start to realize our own stories and and almost like own them it enables us to let go of some of that programming from from childhood or from that ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or from that awful job that you did or what you know like there's all these things where we're going to learn stuff about the world but it doesn't mean that story applies like carbon copy to the future situation, even if it's a similar, similar situation. Yeah. But, and, and the thing is that so much of that is unconscious and we don't generally give ourselves permission to look at, Hmm, is that a story I'm telling myself? You know, I'm nervous about going in and speaking to this group. What story am I telling? My yeah. <laughs> because we have it, because we operate automatically and we have to, 
we couldn't function if we had to think, okay, I'm going to get up now. I need to move my arm muscles and my leg muscles. And in order to function, we have to have things be automatic. Well, our response to so many things. So when someone says something to us, I need to respond right away. And I may respond from fear. I may respond with anger because my old programming tells me it's that Mm -hmm. way. It's like, I can't go back and question things. Oh, okay, yes, when my mom had that tone of voice, it meant this, but my loving partner, it's probably something different. In order to function, we need to operate automatically. And there's a part of us that says, no, no, don't, don't look at that. You just need to, this is a matter of life or death. Because mm. the brain, it, it often thinks it's life or death. And it's, yeah. so it, it goes there. Right? Yeah. Hello. And we're in that. And so we're in fight or flight before we even had a chance. What about the story? I don't have no time for story. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm already, where, I'm already out the door. <laughs> this is where I think meditation comes in. You know, like that's what I find meditation. Building that practice. Yeah. Just that slight mind break between, okay, it's almost like you get a few seconds gap between this thing happened and this is my reaction and I get to have that little gap. And this is, again, what I love about your work as well as I think I'm, I'm quite similar that it's okay to sort of bring a bit of humor into it. Like, you know, not everything's funny. Don't get me wrong. Like obviously there's, you know, big traumas and major oh, yeah. things that happen in people's lives that are, you know, I'm not trying to make out like, oh, we can just laugh that off, right? Like there's some things that happen that are just, you know, very intense and very awful for people to deal with emotionally. However, sometimes the way that we respond to those things can have a comical element to it. And I think when you can bring a lightness through when it's appropriate, it can really just allow people to go, hang on a minute. Yeah, you're right. Like it's the spoon, it's the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. Right. (laughs) And I think, you know, one of the secrets that I wanted to bring up was you trained as a clown, right? Yes. <laughs> so tell me about that. How did, how did that come up and how does that, I guess, help you within your EFT work? So when I was in Hollywood trying to be a movie star, right about the same time that I met my wife, I heard about these auditions for Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus Clown College. Mm. And I thought, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, there was a joke at that time that they would say, oh, it's harder to get into clown college than Harvard because you get so many applicants and they only take 30 people. Wow. So I thought, what the heck? And I actually got in. (laughs) And so it was two months, two months training in Wisconsin, the home of the, the Ringling Brothers. Yeah. And it was amazing, you know. All day long, you put makeup on first thing in the morning, and then you'd have classes in character development and juggling and unicycle riding and pie throwing and all <laughs> kinds of uh, yeah. So all kinds of, of cool things. And then each week we would come up with with routines and, and do performance for locals. And then at the end we do the big show under the big top at which Kenneth Feld came and decided who was gonna go on the road. Yeah. And I was chosen to be one of the MCs of the final show. Amazing. Which was really cool. It was really funny because I got the invitation, the acceptance letter, which had confetti in it. It was, you know, so fun. I literally got it the day that I was moving into the apartment with my wife. (laughs) And you opened it and there was confetti everywhere. And so there's confetti. And so (laughs) I tell her, hey, so I've just, we've just moved in together 
and I'm leaving for two months to go to clown college. So did she have a good sense of humor? She did. She did. I mean, she had to, she married me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, explaining that to her parents was another matter. So yeah, humor is, is definitely a large component of the work that I do. I mean, not all of my videos are funny, but in many of them, there's an element of humor that I bring into it. And I, and I'll say to folks, I take my work very seriously. Mm. I just often present it in a very light manner because that laughter is a great medicine and it, and it helps, you know, sometimes even, even when sometimes we're talking about something really traumatic Mm. to be able to find some humor in it can create an incredibly healing shift. I had a situation recently where something in my current life triggered something from a past trauma. Mm. And I kind of sat with it and I was like, wow, I'm really, you know, like I didn't know what it was at, at the beginning because I just started reacting in a way that I haven't reacted in, in many, many years, actually. It was probably the worst reaction I've had in, a, you know, two or three years. And I was like, whoa, you know, and I cleared my diary and I tapped and I did all my breathing techniques and all that stuff. I've got all the tools now. So it was cool. And, you know, only probably lasted half a day, but in my humble opinion it's half a day longer than <laughs> than I want it to right. but then when I sat with there I just started watching what my mind was doing and I started noticing all these links between you know this thing that was happening that was a completely different situation but there was a lot of parallels that I was like oh now I can see what my brain's done here my brain thinks that this is the same as that thing and that thing was terrifying and and then I started watching it and then it was just really funny to actually sit and be the observer rather than being in it and just watch my mind go from, you know, future, like catastrophizing to it's the same as this past thing. And then, and I was just literally watching my mind and I was kind of laughing to myself going, okay, where are you going to go next? Yeah. Oh, this is cool. Like <laughs> what, what story are you going to bring in here? Oh, right. okay. You're going there now. Okay. And I just kind of let the brain, you know, do what it does. And then I was like, okay. And I was jotting down in case that these are the stories and this is the thing. Yeah. And then I t- did some tapping for myself, you know, to start to calm those emotions that were coming up and to calm and to kind of let yeah. go of that story. But I think actually when you start to know and understand and you watch what's happening play out, it can be quite funny because you're like, oh, okay, that's where you're going now. Oh, yeah. Rather than being in it, you're kind of bird's eye yeah. view, I guess. The machinations watch. of the mind are amazing. But yeah, when we can't, it's hard for us to see that when we're in that stress situation. Yeah. So calming that down, it's like the exercise your, your friend talks about, you know, what's your story? Yeah. In many cases, folks would need to tap first because yeah. when you're in that stress situation, it's like, here's my story. Well, your story is crap. <laughs> your story is, my story is the real story and I don't want to hear your story. Yeah. It's like, okay, hold on, hold on, wait. Yeah. Okay. I think they probably calmed down and went with first before. Yeah. Imagine that argument would be so funny. Your story's got a shit ending. <laughs> How about the story ends here and you die? <laughs> okay. And it's and it's just that fear. It's just fear, you know, even anger has fear underneath. Yeah. And and so, you know, part of our brain is saying, you can't listen to their story. You don't yeah. have time. You're in danger now. Yeah. And so when we calm down and we can say, is there real danger? That barking dog, oh, that's not a dog at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we calm down and we can and we and then we can amuse ourselves by watching the machinations and seeing, 
Oh, that's an interesting leap. Oh, yeah. you went there. <laughs> it's just funny. So what's the biggest learning, do you think, in your kind of, I don't know, 20 years of working with this incredible technique? That, I mean, I don't know if you can condense it down to one thing. That's probably quite, yeah. hard. <laughs> quite, hard, quite a hard question. <laughs> I've learned nothing. Uh, <laughs> no. You know, it's, it's interesting because there's always new things. One of the things was, was recognizing that the people who are violently opposed are often the people who are really afraid mm. that it's going to be something. Because if they're not afraid, then why, why bother? Mm. You know, the, the people who, who will go on and leave comments on several of my videos saying, this is stupid. So why did you watch several of them? <laughs> You know, why didn't you just go, <laughs> you know, turn on a video. He's tapping on his face. Yeah, I'm not interested. There's something else. I can go watch a funny cat video now. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's like someone who wants something and at the same time is so afraid of making a change. And I have to ridicule this. I have to, I have to tell people that this is stupid mm -hmm. and recognizing, okay, that's, that's someone who is looking for this. And so, you know, I, I stopped. I don't, you know, don't respond to them because, yeah. or, or if I do coming, coming from a place of, Hey, I hear you. I get it. I hope you find what you're looking for. Yeah. And always, you know, trying, looking to avoid controversy because I don't take a stance on like things like politics and religion mm -hmm. because I want my work to help everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, if I come across and, 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 and someone says, oh, well, he, the work looks interesting, but he has a different point of view. Mm. For me, being able to help people feel better, do better, and live better is more important than, yeah. that's my strongest belief, my strongest mission, more so than the other things that, hey, in my own personal life, you know, I'm going to vote however I vote. I'm going to worship however I worship. And, you yeah. know, that's, this is my way. What is your way? There is no the way, Yeah. <laughs> but I want you to feel peace. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make it as accessible as possible. And I think also just taking yourself out of it sometimes. I know like when I first started doing this kind of work and obviously you had to do, you don't have to, but you know, you want to do social media, you want to do YouTube or whatever. I mean, yeah. my YouTube channel has a lot to be desired. If anyone's going to check that out, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can only apologize in advance. Uh, do some tapping on that, Rachel. <laughs> you know, <but laughs> even though. <laughs> even though, but you know, and that was a true thing I tapped on. I had a horrendous fear of ridicule. And so for me to do a video or to say something that, to be honest, you know, the work that we do is quite controversial. Saying to people that you can heal yourself, yeah. that there's forces within the world that you can't see and you can't understand and they work in weird and mysterious ways that make you feel really good. It's not a common belief yet. You know, there's a lot of people who still think all this kind of work is woo-woo and stupid and we're all charlatans and oh, yeah. that actually we're just trying to take money off people and whatever and they have no idea how much work we do for free and how... how just Over 900 say. videos, hello. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like... You know, I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this because I'm so passionate about, about what I do. But I had to tap a lot on that fear of ridicule because, and also because it also brought up the whole thing of, you know, I'm going on Instagram and there's all these really wildly beautiful, you know, probably Photoshopped, filtered, whatever, but 
you know, beautiful, incredible looking people. And I'm there with my very British teeth and, you know, my, you know, my, my beliefs around, you know, that I'm not attractive and I'm overweight and I've got this fear of ridicule and all this stuff just started coming up for me. And it was like, I was really afraid to, to go on video or to take a picture of myself and say, Hey, this is what I think. And it was right. Just being seen as who you are anyway. And then add on top of that, (laughs) a very strange looking technique. Yeah. And I'll I'll say in workshops when people, you know, because fear of being seen and fear of being criticized is huge. It stops people left and right. And I'm like, yeah, don't make a career of putting yourself on the internet, tapping on your face then. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's going to draw some... some ridicule, but yeah, and I think yeah, it, you don't really think about that either. Like, you know, when I was setting up Welford Wellbeing, I wasn't really thinking like, oh, I'm going to create this persona or whatever that I'm going to need to post every day or I'm going to need to do this or I'm going to need to do that. I was just thinking, really, the question that's always been is just what if everything we knew about mental health was wrong? That's basically the question that I work with a lot. It's like, you know, and I was thinking, what if everything that I was taught and told about mental health and, you know, when I went to the doctor and I'm not dissing Western medicine at all in that sense, like they work well with the tools that they've got. And I think that Western medicine is great if there's something mechanical wrong with your body, you know, break your hip, they'll give you a new mechanical hip part, you know, but there's not so much work around the psychology or the emotion, you know, especially the emotions like there's not really much no, there's still very much done. a cartesian split between the the mind and the body yeah and i just think well you know what if this stuff you know this stuff that i've been doing i'm not on medication anymore <laughs> you know so it works i'm not having panic attacks anymore i'm not i'm able to sleep better i don't you know i don't hate myself anymore that's a really big one you know it's just like (laughs) even if I was still on medication and I still had you know all these other things but I just liked myself more surely that's an improvement and I just think anybody can use these techniques it's free you know yes I always say to people it's good to work with a practitioner because you can't call out your own bullshit and exactly I still work with with a practitioner myself and and I always say to her oh we're on the money and she says why and I say because I'm starting to think that you're rubbish at EFT you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) and I'm looking at my plants to see which ones need watering (laughs) it's that resistance that I was talking about yeah when that resistance is coming up it's because there's a fear of oh crap something might actually happen here I'm going to have to change and I'm going to look in the bathroom mirror and not recognize the person that's there. (laughs) Exactly, all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's just amazing. I've gone really off topic now, haven't we? I'm loving all these tangents, but I'm like, I'm going to have to get back to the question because I realize we're going to run out of time. Yes. 20 minute interview has become five hours. I know. I literally just talked to you all day. So this is the thing, when you're really passionate about what you do, isn't it? It's like, I don't know, when you meet other people who also have the same passion, it's, it's hard to condense things because uh, you just want to share all the knowledge. Yeah. Talk um, shop. <laughs> yeah. So what advice, if you know, obviously things I wish I'd known is kind of love letter to your younger self. So I guess what, what advice would you give a younger Brad? You know, it's a funny question. You know, it's come up in a few interviews and part of me is like, oh, well, I would say, you know, work harder on this, you know, make this choice. And you should have done this. And then there's another part of me that says, stay the course because it turns out really well. <laughs> yeah. And everything that I've done, even, even the big mistakes that I've made have led me to 
some really amazing things that I might not have gotten to otherwise. Mm. And so there's a, you know, there's a part of me, it's like if I was watching over and was playing it again and, and could interfere at any moment and say, there's a part of me go, no, no, just, just let it play out because yeah. I know what happens and I know where it goes. And, and I'm in such a good place now, you know, love my life. I love what I do. I get to meet really cool people mm. and I get to share this work. And so it's like, yeah, if I, if I were to go and mess with it, it might turn out differently and not necessarily better. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I always think that actually it's interesting because, you know, we were sort of chatting before this, but I've, I've had such similar like varied jobs and things like that. But it's actually when I look back now to what I'm doing with my business, it's like, well, I run events and I used to run, you know, big BMX competitions and exhibitions <laughs> and different things like that. But it's like now when I run my events, I don't freak out because I know I've ran events for 30,000 people. So running a workshop for 30 is like cash. Piece of cake. Know? Yeah, it's like, it feels relaxing. It's like, oh, I'm not having to worry about like, you know, I don't know, Harris fencing and <laughs> security <laughs> or whatever. It's just like the people come and I'm like, welcome, it's nice. And then you look at things like, you know, histories of, I don't know, sales and marketing or whatever. And it's like you said, you know, you've gone to clown school and you're acting and how, yeah. You know, all these things that are like segues, but they've kind of the, the tools that you've learned within yeah. that have enabled you to present yourself really well, to use your voice within your yeah. sessions to, you know, especially with acting, because that's all about understanding emotions, right? Yeah. Yeah. It very much is. It's very nonlinear learning, but it's all, you can use all of it. Mm. So I don't know how, what advice I'd give. Now, for anyone watching or listening to this, if you're new to EFT, do it. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, say say yes to it now. Don't don't wait until, you know, it's years later and you think, "Oh, I wish that I had." Yeah. You know, cuz I didn't know tapping. Yeah, it would have made a difference probably in all kinds of ways, but I can mm. look back. I run a course for actors called Fearless Acting. It's like, well, if I had known this back when I was an actor, would I have been more famous? Would I have had a successful acting career? I don't know. I'm much happier doing what I do now. Mm. And at least I, I believe I am. So there's a perfection to all of it. Mm. But if you, you know, so it's like if I was meant to have learned that at that time, I would have. But if you are watching or listening to this now, it's because you are meant to <laughs> learn yeah. this and, and, I, and use it. <laughs> I always wonder actually, like through my teenage years and stuff, I'm like, man, that might have been a lot easier. <laughs> If I'd have known this thing, but I don't think I would have used it to be fair. I was probably just would have sat, sat there smoking, yeah. you know, going, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited that. when I meet teenagers. I think if someone brings a, their child to a, a workshop or I'll get comments online on YouTube and it's like, I'm 17 years old and I love watching your videos. It's like, you are in such a good place. Yeah. <laughs> The things that you're going to be able to do in your life that so many of us were not works, able to do. It just works so quickly on young people as well, I've found. I do some work with a charity called Snow Camp, and we did some tapping with the, the young people within the charity. And it's just really interesting to see like how quickly it works for them. And children especially, you know, you can really get like, they haven't got those years years of baggage and the years and, and the years of justifying the baggage and you know so it's just very very quick so yeah if you you know for anyone listening who's not sure it's completely safe you can do it with children you can do it with you can even use they don't sell them anymore but you, i don't know if you ever saw them they used to do these like surrogate tapping bears i don't even know oh if the tappy bear 
Yeah. Yeah. So Till Schilling, who created Tappy Bear, and I still, I still have mine, he stopped doing it. But Dr. Peter Stapleton down in Australia uh-huh. now makes Morgan Bear. So okay. now I have, I have one of those. Oh, cute. <laughs> gave, gave it to me when I was speaking with her at a conference. And so I'm going through the airport with this little t- teddy bear. Yeah. Yeah, so those Morgan Bears are there. And so if and of course, there's the book, The Wizard's Wish, you know. Of course. So just, wow. <laughs> Brad's book is amazing as well, aimed at children. And I have some tapping videos with my daughter when she was young. Yeah. I just so. think it's, it's just such an incredible technique. And uh, yeah, everyone should try it. Um, yep. if, and anyone that's wondering what we're talking about, why are we talking about bears? <laughs> Basically, the bears have buttons sewn on the points where you tap. And right. you, you work with a child and the bear and you tap on the bear and you ask the child, what's wrong with the bear? And then they will project. And obviously you kind of do what we call a surrogate method, which means that it will still work on the child, even though you're essentially tapping on, on their teddy bear. So in yeah. case anyone's thinking, what the hell, what, what tangent have they, <laughs> what tangent have they gone on here talking about cuddly toys? I don't know, maybe it's something to do with the clown thing. <laughs> Are they at a fairground doing this interview? <laughs> I love it. So finally, I guess, you know, what do you wish you'd known about EFT, emotions, all that stuff before you'd known what you know now? You know, again, it's kind of fun having it revealed and there's, and there's still more. We're still figuring out exactly how it works, mm. you know, and it's fun having friends like PETA, you know, who's doing amazing research with EFT mm. and Dawson Church and these people who are, you know, discovering what's going on inside the body. Mm. My old tagline is, I'm not a doctor. I just played one on TV. Because <laughs> uh, I did on Days of Our Lives. But so I'm not as scientifically minded. I'm more in the performing of it. But it's, it's fascinating to, to learn things. Listen to people like Joe Dispenza. Mm. And, I love his work. Yeah, and, so, and, and finding out there's, there's still so much that many people have already figured out and learned and still so much more to learn. Mm. So it's hard to say, what would I like to have known that? Because it's, yeah, I don't know. Because each you know, day there's something new. It's like, well, okay, well, we can't know it all. It's like, oh, I wish I'd known everything. Well, yeah. then where would, where would be the fun in that? <laughs> I sometimes sit there and I think, wow, because I guess I got into this work relatively young to a certain extent because I, I was, you know, early 30s really when I sort of like got into this and started learning about healing and, and all these different techniques. And sometimes I think, Oh my God, because all I did, my friend came around the other day and she was laughing. She said, look at all your books. And I was like, oh yeah, they're all on like trauma and like <laughs> emotions. And do you know what I mean? She's like, don't you ever just read, I don't know, like something for fun? And I'm like, nope, <laughs> I'm just obsessed with this subject. And I just think, wow, imagine how much information I will have been able to consume by the time I'm like 60 or 70 years old and I'm still, you know, doing this work and, and learning. And, and then another part of me is like, oh, I don't really want to wish my, my life away though, you know. It's like, because part of the excitement of it is when you go, oh my God, you know, no way, I, yeah. know, I never knew that. And you, you know, that's part of the excitement of the journey is the learning. Yeah. If we get into, I wish I'd, if only, mm. woulda, coulda, shoulda, it's like, that's past. It's like, no, be here now. Be open to what's now. It's like, what I'm learning now, now is the time I'm, I'm meant to learn it. If I had been meant to learn it back then, I would have. So by wishing I had, had learned something sooner takes away from my opportunity to be open to what I can learn now. Yeah. It's really being present. It's like, oh, 
it's so much fun discovering things. It's so much fun working with someone and having a new analogy come to mind mm. or some new concept. It's like, oh, that's so cool. You know, it's like, now I'm going to, I'll use this again in the future. Mm. But it was, it, it happened when it was meant to happen. And it's exciting to think, oh, there's still so much more to discover. Yeah. I think that's what I love about the world of, you know, I always call it the unseen. I don't really know what to call it, but you know, the world of energy and like frequency and, and all, all that stuff. It's like, wow, it is literally like never, never ending. <laughs> There's just so much we don't understand or, or know yet and yeah. everything's unraveling in this really beautiful way where you know there's all these correlations starting to be made between what it seems like monks and sages and all these people have known for millennia that we're now just starting to be able to actually kind of prove if you like with yeah. the the tools and techniques that we use within modern science and, and it's just really yeah it fascinates me that whole that whole world so I guess the last thing I want to ask you is just, is there anything you wish that I'd asked you that I didn't ask you? I mean, I think we've <laughs> no, covered a lot. <laughs> you, you avoided all those dark things. So yeah. uh, no, no, nothing else that I would. <laughs> I'm not going to get sued. I missed all your blacklist stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, can't, I can't think of anything that I need to sue you for. Okay. Um, <laughs> There's still time. We got. <laughs> <laughs> still time. Oh my goodness. Look. <laughs> I don't know if this may be the record longest interview you've done. Probably not. I love to talk. I'm a nightmare. <laughs> I forget. Do you know what the uh, problem is? I forgot to set my timer. Anyone yeah. who listens to podcasts know normally I set a timer <laughs> and so that I can watch how long we've been talking for because I'm an absolute nightmare. I just love chatting yeah. to people. Well, you're in, you're in for a shock. Be tapping. I um, will. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been 15 minutes. I trust it's only been 15 minutes. <laughs> Hopefully we've kept it entertaining enough and informational enough. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, if any folks listening to this, that there's things to take away. No, I mean, obviously there's always so much stuff. When I do an interview and, and folks will often say, so any closing thoughts? And to me, the most important thing, and you kind of touched on it earlier, is really learning to love yourself mm. and clearing away the reasons why you couldn't or shouldn't yeah because it's not only a gift to you it not only feels so good like what you're talking about earlier it's like you know even if i was still on medication just the fact that i like myself is yeah it's but it benefits so many other people mm. because it gives us a freedom to share the gifts that we have yeah you know, when we're belittling ourselves beating ourselves up and we think oh you know i've got nothing to share we're depriving the world of what we have to offer. So the more yeah. you recognize how freaking awesome you really are, the more you're going to share that awesomeness. So, yeah. And I please. think it just improves all your relationships and stuff as well, because when you're something that I was talking about today, well, last night, actually going to give them a little plug, actually Emily from sober and social ran this really incredible sober party last night in London and somebody that I was chatting to there, was, that we were talking about how we've developed and things in our past. And I said, oh, I just used to have this innate fear that I was going to get found out, that if people around me knew who I really was underneath this like happy, lovely facade that I was putting on, that they wouldn't love me anymore or they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't want me around. And carrying that around with you all day, every day, wherever you go, is exhausting yeah. and feeling like you're constantly putting on a facade of some kind to make people like you and keep people happy and all that stuff it's just heavy yeah. it's heavy to carry that around and so when you can actually 
start to build self-love and for anyone who's thinking like where do you even start just look in the mirror every day and just say I love you and then your full name and that's it and my friend started doing it with her little boy it's the cutest thing he's like I think is he nearly two yeah he's just two and he gets a little hand mirror and he's like, I love you to himself. It's nice. like the best thing. Awesome. So yeah, I would hundred percent agree. So how can people find you if they, you know, if they're listening to this, I know obviously you're based in the U S but you do come to the UK. Is it twice a year? Every two years. It's two been years. for the last decade, every yeah. two years. If people want to find out more about Tap with Brad, how do they kind of get, get in touch with you? Yeah. Dead, thanks. That's the simplest way is tapwithbrad.com. Through the years, you know, one of those things is, you know, trying to find the right URL that's easy yeah. for people. It's like, you know, and I had all kinds of different URLs and people are always saying, oh, I tell all my friends, tap with Brad, tap with mm. Brad. It's like, hmm, ah. <laughs> let's Message keep this it. simple. <laughs> tap with Brad.com and make it easy for folks. <laughs> and you'll find all my resources there, links to workshops that I'm doing doing four workshops this year with Steve Wells, who's a top tapper from Down Under. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, so we're doing East and West Coast of the U.S. and Australia. Great. And so you can find links to all that. There are links to my YouTube channel and a little search engine to look up my videos by topic. So yeah, you can find all that there. Great, and I'll obviously put links underneath. So wherever you're watching this, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on your favorite podcast provider, then there'll be links in the resources page as well. So thank you so much for just what a lovely interview. I've had so much fun. <laughs> this has been brilliant. Likewise. They, likewise. Say, they say, don't they, don't meet your heroes or whatever, you know, but actually this has just been bloody dream come true for me <laughs> so thank you so much and yeah we'll speak to you soon and thanks to all you guys for listening thank you goodbye if you enjoyed listening why not leave us a review it really does help other people to find this podcast and enjoy it too feel free to share it with friends and family members that you think it might be useful to thanks so much for listening see you next time <laughs>